welcome to the Entrepreneur Podcast, filled with marketing and leadership tips on launching and growing your business with your host, Deanne Mora. Hey, podcast listeners. In today's episode, I interviewed Judy Smith, who, together with Dr. Tom Smith, is co-founder of the International Clinic of Biological Regeneration, a clinic specializing in leading-edge cell therapy for anti-aging and rejuvenation. I think you'll be fascinated to hear what she has to say, not only about cell therapy, but about how her business has grown and evolved over the past 30 years. Enjoy. I'm here with Judy Smith, the co-founder of the International Clinic of Biological Regeneration. And um, Judy, you've obviously been an expert in cell therapy for many years. Can you tell me how you got started? I can. It's a long story. I'll try to make it short. Um, We were... um, I was a student um, in the late 60s in college, and I was studying psychology. I became very interested in um, biochemistry and alternative medicine and things, so I switched majors and I started taking classes in um, physiology and the, taking the science track. And one of my professors was Dr. Tom Smith. <laughs> That's how it happened. And uh, he was very much my senior. He was 27 years older. So, um, but I was completely taken with him. He was brilliant. And um, anyway, I took every class he offered and so forth. And ultimately, uh, I'll cut the rest of it out, but we we were married. And uh, I started traveling with him around the world to study alternative medicine, which he had been doing for quite some time. He had been a medical student in the 50s. Again, he was considerably older than I. And uh, was in a very serious radiation accident. Was considered fatal at the time. It was uh, an X-ray machine that um, was bulky, and he tried to fix it without getting help, and he was radiated for an excessive period of time. But anyway, uh, traditional medicine hold, held no hope for him, so he started uh, studying. And he was already a resident physician. Started studying alternative medicine, hmm. and years after that, um, we stumbled across cell therapy in Europe when he was taking a class in the University of London. And so that's how we got started. Uh, there was a doctor, Paul Nahans, um, who started the therapy, and he had a protege named Peter Steffens. And Dr. Peter Steffens was still alive and practicing in London. So of course, when we were there, my husband wanted to talk with him. And he spent a really good amount of time interning with um, Dr. Steffens. Actually, it turns out that the elder had passed away, but his son, also Peter Steffens, uh, was running the practice. So uh, Tom became very fascinated with cell therapy. Uh, continued his studies at the University of Vienna and did that for a couple of years and then we opened our own clinics. That's how we got to it. That's a great story. Long story. You know, and I've, I've been a, a patient for the last, I think, 20 some odd years yes. now, so I can absolutely attest to the benefits of the, okay. of the therapy. Great. I love it. You're a Wong Gilbert. <laughs> you, you, I am. We like saying you've had some therapy for 55 years. I'm proud that I've been able to keep things all going. So. So Judy, one of the things that I've heard you say um, that was one of the, the mission, I guess, of ICBR when you started was really bringing cell therapy to everyone. Can you talk a little bit more I about can, that? I can't. That's part B of the story. Um, when Tom was studying with uh, Peter Stefan, or actually interning with him in his office, he was seeing movie stars. He was seeing millionaires and business magnets and everything because the treatment was extremely expensive. And um, he, he knew it was good because he was hearing great reviews from them and he was very enthusiastic, but it nevertheless was out of the reach of most people. So uh, when he went to the University of Vienna to study, he really didn't have that in mind, but of course in the course of his study, 
he was privy to the invoices from the pharmaceutical houses. <laughs> and I, I would come and go. So we had a school-age child at the time, so I couldn't stay there all the time. But I was there at that particular time, and I remember he came back to our little, little apartment. And he said, you know, Jay, this does not have to be 20, and this is in the 80s, it's like 15 to $20,000. He right. said, it does not have to be that. He said, they're paying, well, Dr. Stephens practiced on Harley Street. Um, the clinic in Switzerland was a castle. Oh, the overhead. Yeah. The overhead was enormous. Plus, they were dealing with very well-known and recognizable people. So, uh, they deserve their privacy like anyone else. But that involved private limousines, private nursing staffs, oh, in patient. <laughs> you can see we all, we're all yeah. just... Very simple surroundings, exactly. but it gets the job done. So what he, we talked and talked and talked, and what we decided to do was to bring it back to the borders of the United States. It was not allowed in the United States, but at, uh, we could in Mexico, and it turns out here in the Bahamas, we could do it as well. So um, we decided to open our own clinics, not try to own anything, not even a modest building. We would pay on a per diem, per day basis mm -hmm. to use the facilities. We would use the existing staff, I mean, the drivers here, the nurses here, and that sort of thing. And we would minimize expense. To this day, I have a home office. I've never had an office outside my home. Hmm. We keep everything, the overhead trim to the bone, so that we can put all of the money into the, into the cells. Into the cells, and cells. The therapy with the exactly. So that was our mission statement from the beginning, was to make this available to, it's still expensive, I understand that. It's, it's, not, but it's not, not crazy compared to you know a lot of treatments that you might have. In well, the, over the, the four years I've been doing this, I mean, it certainly is not. We're we're being you know passed up by a lot of really traditional things. Yeah. So that's been our you know our passion was to make it available to uh, you know, teachers, people, working mm -hmm. people, everyone who needs the to exactly. Their health. I was interested in, in that kind of therapy. It is an alternative therapy designed to keep the immune system peaked, the endocrine system peaked, the um, Feel as good as you can, as long as you can, mm -hmm. is the goal. Yeah. So, you know, having been a patient for so long, obviously, I know how I feel, and you know the benefits that it's had for me. But what do you typically see with your your patients? What do they experience after their first time, second time? First time usually is um, they they feel it in the sense they have more energy, they sleep better. Um, you certainly you know get some benefits in terms of appearance, your skin texture, and that sort of thing. It's it's really good. <laughs> zero to 60 and then maintaining the speed, then it's just a maintenance issue. What you notice then after that is um, the passage of time. I just had a uh, you know, 50 year high school reunion, so time passes mm -hmm. and it, you start to see And you people. see the other people who are your age mm -hmm. and you look around and you go, hmm, yeah, it's, a, it's a little scary. <laughs> it's so. a little scary. <laughs> <laughs> but, and aging isn't everywhere, you know, none of us are immortal. No, all of course age. not. But we want to age really gracefully. Gracefully and slowly, <laughs> absolutely. So Judy, can you tell me a little bit more about what people can expect in terms of what's actually in the injections? Sure. Um, the injections actually have about six or seven components. We're dealing with whole embryo, the whole body. We're dealing with the endocrine system, the immune system, the major organs, and then I like to use, uh, I think we talked a little bit about the HPA axis today. That is the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis. Mm -hmm. And that is a part of the endocrine system that is responsible for balancing for homeostasis. It balances the immune function as well as the inflammation cycle. And with everyone's adrenals just maxed out, 
I'm exhausted. I think that's the biggest complaint I get. You know, uh, you're also stressed. It, so to balance it, and it's the adrenal's job to keep everything in balance. Because if you're exposed to anything on a plane or a doorknob, your body is supposed to react with a little inflammation and an immune response. But the adrenal is supposed to shut that down when the threat is gone. If it doesn't, then both the immune function and the inflammation cycle continue to build. And that will ultimately lead to um, hyperinflammation, which is the root of all evil in terms of disease, and also immune deficiency, or preceding that, you'll get immune overactivity. So we're seeing a whole lot of autoimmune diseases that we haven't seen in this, you know, in that number of people in a long time. And when you say embryonic, can you talk a little bit more about where these cells come from? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the cells that I'm using in, in classic cell therapy, which we call it now because there are some offshoots of it, um, but classic cell therapy is an um, uh, animal product. And we use black mountain sheep because that was actually Paul Nahon's preference. Any mammal at that stage of gestation would be uh, fine. It's, they're not rejected until they become species specific. Because if you remember in Ninth grade biology, where you taught that all men. That's a long time ago. I know, Way long ago. But, and you weren't paying attention at the time anyway. But um, all mammals start the same, and then they differentiate as they develop. Well, they go through stages of organ specific and then to species specific. So the cells that I'm using all can be any mammal, but they need to be taken at the specific time before they are, they're at the height of their development before becoming species specific. So we use black mountain sheep. That was classic. That's what Dr. Nahans used. Um, he uh, preferred them because in his day he was working with uh, food source animals, and so they were the healthiest animal, easy to keep well, almost completely disease resistant, cancer resistant. They just have a really heightened immune system. So he used black mountain sheep. And now I could use bovine. I can use porcine. That would be um, pig or, or cattle. But I still prefer to stick with sheep because I think you still have that enhanced immune reaction from black mountain sheep. And also, um, there, there may be some religious or, or dietary um, concerns with the others, uh, particularly porcine. And I know my people very well, usually by, you know, by the sound of their voice on the phone, but not necessarily you know, their religion or their preferences. So I don't want to offend anyone. So we stick with sheep. So how has cell therapy evolved over the years? You've been doing this for how long? Almost 40 years. We started in 1981. And, and how things changed, what were you doing back then compared to what you're doing today? The original cells that we used, we were just what we would call post-live cell. Um, when Nahans developed this originally, it was a live cell product, and that means it was taken from the embryo and injected immediately in its raw state. So it had to be done in surgical theater um, because you would have a small reaction just from the extracellular material, living cell. Is, is putting out waste product, it's taking in nutrients, there's a lot of activity going on. So if you take that in a raw state and inject it, you're going to have a reaction. So this had to be an in-hospital or in-clinic procedure. And a little bit dangerous, because anaphylactic shock would be the worst case scenario. Uh, Dr. Nahans did that, that was state of the art in the 40s, uh, but he developed a lipolization process, which is essentially freeze-drying. And his goal was to be able to be portable, because he had dignitaries from a lot of the World War II dignitaries and, and statesmen and the Pope and movie stars. He was becoming very popular and he wanted to take it to them. He was, you know, 
uh, didn't want to be tied down to the, the operating theater or pregnant you, you know, so. So he uh, developed this process where he could make it portable and then reconstitute it at the time of injection. So we came in just, just at that point where they were lyophilized, but they were not, um, they were not purified to the point that we use now. So we had to do it over three days just because of the quantity and the size of the cells. So lyophilization removes all the fluid, all that water, but it just contracts the cell many times over, but it's still a lot. So to do that much in um, one day would be too much for people. So we did it over three days, did that for a few years before the lyophilization process became refined, and uh, we could do it all in one day. But that took, we were well into it four or five years before that happened. And you talked about exosomes as being the next big frontier in cell therapy. They, Can you talk a little bit about oh, that? Oh, they are indeed. Um, there's so much buzz about exosomes right now. We'll start doing that now at, at our very next group in, in January, February. Um, exosomes are not whole cells. They are called technically vesicles. They are put out by every cell in your body. Let me start out by saying exosomes are the major cell-to-cell -cell communication. You have three ways of cells communicating with one another. We always thought there were two, and now there are three. And third turns out to be the most prolific. The, uh, there's direct neural connection, which is through your nervous system. If you stub your toe and you feel it, that's straight up the nerves. Uh, there's endocrine communication, where the thyroid or other endocrine hormones are put out, and the body picks them up and, and appropriately reacts. And exosomes. Every cell in your body through your whole life put out thousands of exosomes constantly. And exosomes are little repair kits, they're little RNA packets called vesicles that influence all the cells around them to be like themselves. They're saying, be like me. So whether it's a, we're using embryonic obviously, but as you age, you're putting out older vesicles, older um, exosomes, and that's influenced all the cells around that. It's like a pebble in a pond where the aging process is spreading. Disease spreads the same way, cancer spreads the same way. You're putting out the little information packs, repair kits, that make the surrounding cells act similarly. So the idea is to flood your system with embryonic exosomes. And this is a post-live birth product. Um, it's human, and it's taken from the placenta and the um, umbilical cord. So there is no harm to mother or child. In fact, it's a consensual thing, you know, that the, these are donated and um, very well tracked, that they are disease-free, they're genetically tested, the mother's health and so forth has been documented. So these are, this is a way of getting embryonic exosomes into your body that will influence all the cells. It's the, the turn research, back time. Turning back time. <laughs> That's always been the goal, and now it's, you know, it's really for real. Um, they started with research years ago where they knew if they combined two animals, a younger and an older, and combined their circulatory system, that the older animal rejuvenated. Oh, and, you know, they didn't know what factor it was in the blood that was doing it, but, you know, it's, it's all come down to exosomes. And so now they've been isolated. Um, they are provisionally FDA approved, which means you can use them until there's a final judgment, uh, which will come in 2020. But I'm working with the best of pharmaceutical houses that have every, every reason to assume they will be approved um, completely. So we're free to use them now in the States, which is, big change. That's exciting. And are the cell therapies that you offer, are they compatible with other therapies that people may be taking? Yeah, very much so. Um, the two in particular, the one I do and the exosomes are very compatible. I've been, I've been doing a lot of uh, 
attending a lot of seminars, talking to a lot of research um, scientists, and they're very intrigued with what I'm doing because it's almost so old it's new again. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of these fellows are younger than when I started, you know, doing this. They always point that out. Thank you. Thank you. Um, no, I wasn't even You're still looking good. So that's your parents. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, you know, they're saying what you're doing is organ specific. It's targeting organs. Um, you can send cells directly to the kidneys, to the lungs, to the heart, you know, as well as the glands that we're talking about. And they, they say, you know, the exosomes, once you put them in IV, they're like letting kids out of the school for recess. I mean, they all they scatter. <laughs> and so you can't direct them, but they're so very potent. And your body does direct them to a point. I mean, if you have a cut, you know, of course it draws white cells and it draws stem cells and that sort of thing. So there is some direction, but you can't, you can't manage it. But the point is to just flood your body with these exosomes. Each milliliter of exosomes has a billion uh, exosomes. So the quantity is enormous, um, but then the quantity you're putting out every day is enormous. So they're injected uh, IV, and another small difference makes a difference to me in just the protocol, but they are cryogenically frozen, so they have to be maintained frozen until immediately upon use. So that uh, logistically is a little difficult. But uh, otherwise, that is the new frontier. You'll be hearing more and more about exosomes. Okay. And I do a general rejuvenation practice. I'm not a doctor, I don't treat disease, but they are being used by physicians who are using them surgically. Mm -hmm. uh, to um, When they do any kind of surgery, they will use an exosome around the site, and it heals much more quickly, much more you know, easily. Without you were the story of an athlete that was... Yeah, there was, uh, I was, I met a, a, at one of these seminars, I met a fellow um, a podiatrist, and, and he was treating a world-class athlete, a, a surfer, a competition surfer, and he had had an injury that wasn't healing, and he was going to require another surgery, and that was going to make him miss a major competition, apparently. And he said, well, we'll use exosomes and see what we can do. Within two weeks, he's back on his board, you know, what, what they thought would be a couple months. So they are amazing. They, you'll hear more and more. Um, Google or you know whatever you want to do exosomes and mesenchymal stem cells. MSCs are called mesenchymal stem cells. Interesting. And if somebody's considering cell therapy, what's a good age to start? You know, the sooner the better. And not you know obviously not as as a really young person, teenager or anything, unless there's a medical reason to do it. But for anti-aging purposes, technically, this is not good news. You, you start aging at about 26 years old. <laughs> you don't fail it at that point. But uh, that is when, you know, on average, everybody's different. But on average, that's when you stop producing more cells than you're losing. So that's, that's a period of homeostasis in your late 20s. 25 is considered fully mature. And then... And then it's down to that. Well, that's encouraging. <laughs> Now, what if you're not 26 and you're a little bit older than 26? And which is still okay to start. Which is typical because you're not really feeling this until your 30s and 40s. But, you know, ideally somewhere in the late 30s to 40s is fine. Um, you know, most of my folks don't. I mean, it's just reality. Uh, the age, it's expensive. I understand that it is. And they can't always, you've got a young family, you can't always afford these things. Uh, but people in their 50s or 60s are more typical of my uh, people who start the therapy. Mm -hmm. But they're no more expensive, honestly, than a lot of the superficial things that oh. people are doing to try to make themselves look good. 
Absolutely. There's a lot of you know facial treatments and body well, treatments that people spend a lot of money in. It's yes. not really actually helping it's, that out. It's not. It's hurting in some ways because every time you, you cut, say a facelift or something, you, you cut a certain amount of circulation and muscle innervation. So, um, you know, it looks, it looks good, but it's it's not good for your skin. This Whereas what I do is, out. yeah, inside out. And, and again, it's perfectly compatible. It's not like you have to choose one or the other. But, um, you know, for overall health and vitality, this is the more natural way to go. Yeah, and, and we haven't changed our prices. Our, our mission statement was to keep the prices low. And I don't even remember the last time I raised prices. Other things go up. They do. Um, travel goes up. Um, the cells have gotten a little more expensive, considerably more expensive. Um, everything goes up. But I am just loath to increase prices. So, you know, we'll, we'll hold it as long as we can, but I don't think I've changed in 10, 15 years. So things, people have passed me by in terms of money. Yeah, I'm charging a lot more. The exosomes are a good example. I will be, I am going to charge as little as I can. Um, so the price of the exosomes is ex extremely expensive, uh, relatively speaking, and it's completely dependent on how many you get, what it costs, but I'm going to do um, a therapeutic level and uh, hold the price down to about 6500 which I know is a lot of money. I never, I'm always cognizant of the money. At least they don't have to travel internationally, which helps yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I'm going to keep the price down as low as I can and, um, and see, you know, see if we can hold it at that for a while. Because there are clinics using exactly the same protocol, I know, because I know the uh, pharmaceutical reps, and they sell to the doctors. And what I'm doing for that price, people are charging ten to eighteen thousand for. Mm -hmm. But then they've got the overhead I don't have. I don't begrudge them that. But they're in Beverly Hills or somewhere that you know costs a lot of money. Well, when you think about investing in your health like that, though, if you add up your deductible on your insurance over mm -hmm. a period of time, I mean, easily oh, you could be well over that. So it's oh, just a matter of absolutely. Of, you know, would you rather be uh, preventative, or, or would you rather right. pay to try to fix things? Later? Yeah. Any way you look at it, staying well is the preference. You feel better. You look better. You have more energy. Plus, over the long term, you're not going to run into the same. Fingers crossed. Everybody's different. I can't make promises that you won't. But for the most part, you'll avoid a lot of the degenerative diseases. Okay. Well, thank you, Judy. You've been very, very informative, very helpful, and we really do appreciate it.